0: This episode of Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by Noelle Hair Serum. Managing the many textures of you, one natural drop at a time. Noel is superfood for your hair, and now you can get your first bottle of Noelle with ten percent off and free shipping. Just use the coupon code Hair Superfood when you visit NoelleHair.com. That's N U E L E Hair.com. Don't forget Hair Superfood. You're listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God's sex in the Bible. And I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham. Today we are discussing purity culture. I sit down with longtime friend and musician, Allison Brooke, who knows a thing or two about what Jane the Virgin is going through. Have you ever asked the question, what it's like to actually be a virgin until you get married? Right? Later with Rev Sex, we take a question from a listener who is wondering about shacking up with her boyfriend. What will her friend say? Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I have a treat for you. Um, I'm sharing a bit of Allison Brooks' music, and she'll be talking about what those lyrics actually mean. So, everybody, <laughs> today we have a very special guest on Lord Have Mercy. I want to welcome Allison Brooks. Hey, Allie. Hey. Allie is my friend and has been my friend since high school, um, and we went to a strict Seventh-day Adventist boarding school together where we met and then um, we transitioned and went to a university together where we both were studying music and um, we were both study- studying opera and classical music <laughs> and then we both transitioned into singing and songwriting. Um, but we both have incredibly different experiences when it comes to the purity culture that is within the Christian community. and. Um, how it treated each of us. So, of course, I eventually mm. came out as a lesbian. And, mm-hmm. you know, being a lesbian in purity culture does not work because there isn't room for you. Like, when I came out, it was like, you can't save yourself for marriage because lesbians couldn't get married. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very different. Right. It was very different for you. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, Allie had difficulties with purity culture and I just want to talk about those things. I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Uh,
1: we could tell I could tell my story a little bit. Tell me your story. Like, uh, like everything, everything. Stop making fun of me. (laughs) Uh, so I, I guess just starting with, um, on a relational level, I started out, you know, sort of dating, here and there in high school. I'm one of those people that falls pretty hard. So I didn't date a lot because I knew that I my poor little soul couldn't handle it. So then college came around and I I dated a little bit more and then I eventually met my husband. And all the while I was I was sticking, you know, pretty closely to the the Christian culture of purity, the typical one, you know, you save yourself for marriage. And, um, when I fell for my husband, um, we were, when we were dating, we dated for a while and yeah.
0: What does sticking to the purity culture mean though? Like no sex before marriage. Is that like,
1: sex, like you hold hands, maybe, um, maybe kiss, but You got to be really careful with that one because other stuff happens really fast. (laughs) So I would say, you know, when we when we started dating, we had, you know, dating struggles, as you would call it. What are dating struggles. Um, So, you know, we we struggle with just sticking to kissing, but we never had sex um, by some miracle. But it was a big but it was a big point of like shame and. Uh, just like tension in our relationship and I don't you know I feel like um, sometimes the focus on just trying to be perfect all the time was more important than our relationship with God mm. and I'm not saying that it's not important to you know whatever your convictions are to stick with them but I think sometimes we can be so caught up in our convictions that we forget the the big picture, and that's our our relationship with god and And when we have that, like the other stuff kind of falls into the place that it needs to fall into, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we we um you know we're committed Christians even when we were dating, but you know there there were times when we lost sight of that commitment. Um, to Christ,
0: just because we were
1: so caught up in trying to be perfect.
0: Okay, so it was more like um, a Pharisee or Sadducee kind of approach to it, where it was all about the rules and less about the relationship that you had with God, right? Which is a large part of your relationship with John.
1: Yeah, so when we were dating, and then when we got married, we were like, you know, virgins and stuff, and then we had sex, and... (laughs) then it was fine to have sex, you know, so we, but some of that, that shame was sort of left over when we did finally get married, some of the shame of like, the shame that was attached to having sex was still left over from, from previous times, you know, before Uh we were married. And, um, so even when we had sex within marriage, then all of a sudden it felt like kind of weird at first you know Hmm. and there's times even now when it's like i feel dirty after sex for no reason you know
0: that is married
1: you know sex within marriage is and you know sex is a beautiful thing my mom always liked to say that growing up she's like (laughs) just wait sex is a beautiful thing she tried to instill my parents tried to instill a healthy view of sex um when i was younger so it, it's supposed to be beautiful, but there is some shame still connected to sex after I got married. And, you know, we have to sort of work through that from time to time. Like, this is this is beautiful. This is a gift. This is our way to connect um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on a different level.
0: Because I remember it at Blue Mountain Academy with... Um, when we were, I know, man, in Adventist school, they go through sex ed so many times without actually covering anything. And I remember <laughs> pictures of things. And
1: honestly, I, I think I asked to to not go to the classes.
0: It was ridiculous. Anyway, so coach was teaching health. Um, and I remember just like this blanket, um view about like okay sex is bad we're not supposed to have sex or think about sex and um that was fine for me but um I remember like this really this awakening moment when I looked at um the registrar Mrs. Ayer is that what her name? Mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I looked at the registrar and um, her son was also going to the school too, and he was in our class, and I looked at her son and I was just like, and she was probably one of the most covered up women I've ever seen in my life, just <laughs> like like the epitome of good Christian woman secretary wearing you know clothes to her chin and glasses and just kind of plain looking right like no makeup or anything, and I was mm-hmm. like she had to get freaky in order to have her son right and I was like so when when does it actually break loose when do you when are you actually allowed to to do this thing and how do you get over Mm -hmm. the hump of shame and I think you Allie have been shamed for such a long time right because I remember in in high school you developed faster than like anybody right
1: yeah and I stayed tiny but my boobs did not
0: (laughs) right and I remember, like you would come back, even in college, you would come back from church just like so defeated because the thing that you had chosen to wear wasn't appropriate.
1: Yeah, I I actually remember the first time like I felt shame because of the way I was shaped, and
0: Tell me here's about the it. thing:
1: I never, I never had it in my mind to be like somebody look at me, please, or or boys come look, you know, I never thought that, but I was treated like that. So the first time I remember, like having this shame for how I was shaped was like, the first week of sophomore year, we went on this big hike as a school. And a few of the more rowdy boys in our class, I we had gone through like some water, there were like waterfalls on the hike. And after the hike, I sat down on a log and some of the rowdy boys kind of gathered around me and my friend. We are new at the school. I guess they're trying to get to know us and, you know, kind of being boys, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) They were sort of like making fun of us. And I got up to leave and I left like a butt print Mm -hmm. from the my beans getting wet I left the butt print on the bench I was sitting on and all the boys pointed and I was like oh look you know and and all of a sudden I felt like you know like oh man like I gotta cover up like I feel I feel ashamed for for leaving a butt print it wasn't like I didn't mean to leave a butt print I didn't want anyone to look at my butt print, you know, there is no, I didn't get dressed in the morning and say, you know, it would be cool if I put on some jeans that were tight enough so that when I went through that waterfall Mm. later that I'll leave a butt print on a bench. You know, I never thought
0: that. How did you react to that later with like with your dress or, you know, how you interacted with boys?
1: I just, I feel like um, the, the way that culture um, you know, Christian culture in particular, but even, um, culture outside of that or outside of my academy reacts to women's bodies is, um, it's your fault if someone looks, you know, yeah. the shaming culture, you wanted the attention if something bad happens to you mm-hmm. while wearing something that showed the wrong thing. Um... And I, I didn't know about that back then. You know, yeah. like, I didn't know that that was a thing. So I just thought, like, I must want the attention. Mm-hmm. But I felt terrible when I would get it. So, like, I, I don't think I did, you know? Yeah. I remember one time someone came to me and was like, I just wanted to talk to you because it was a guy friend. He was like, oh, man, like, I prayed about it. And I really wanted to be honest and open about the fact that um i was looking at your cleavage
0: oh and my I wanted god to ask,
1: <laughs> i wanted to ask for forgiveness oh my god! and i was just like taken aback because he was a friend like to, fine like you looked at my cleavage like sometimes we you know our eyes look at things sometimes like big deal right mm-hmm. but The fact that he told me and like came to me and like asked for forgiveness he then put the weight of responsibility and that self-consciousness on me Mm. and then, then it was suddenly my problem to fix
0: that's gross and disgusting and i didn't
1: really think about it at the time but later i was like he shouldn't have told me like that's not my that's not my problem like you know if you feel bad about looking like that's between you and god or you and yourself you know Mm. if you want to figure that out you know so so i don't know those are all things like i never really knew how to handle before and now i just i i'm not saying that i'm perfect now i'm just kind of getting to the place where i don't really care that much (laughs) Mm.
0: just have to like detach yourself from it a little bit yeah i guess purity culture has this whole thing that like Um, women are going to make men stumble, you know, into lust. Special thanks to everyone who donated to the Indiegogo campaign. Thank you very so much. We raised about $1,000 and the fundraising is still going. Uh, So you can always just go to crystaltreatham.com and uh, find a place to donate. It's all over. (laughs) Uh, Also, we're still accepting devotionals. Simply go to crystalcheatham.com slash submit to learn more. And now back to the show. So one of the messages that you and I both got was that women's bodies are something to be ashamed of. And I also got the message, um, even with living with three boys, that um, women shouldn't have sexual desires. Did you feel like that?
1: Yeah, I guess I was kind of taught that like guys were the horny ones, and girls are just like, you know, we Objects. just want a section, you know, yeah,
0: to cuddle. And, and then talk. when I
1: got married, and and um, you know, I realized like, oh, wait, I think I, I, think I like sex just as much as my husband. <laughs> that was sort of a weird epiphany. Yeah, it was like, oh, wait, what? I thought yeah. all I wanted to do was cuddle,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like shrouded in this other belief that um, virginity is the only thing that you have to offer your husband. And mm-hmm. I remember reading multiple books about that. And um, did you feel that way? Is I mean, was that part of the reason why you decided to remain a virgin before you got married?
1: no. You know, like I said, my my parents tried to raise me with a pretty healthy view of sex mm-hmm. and relationship, you know, a married relationship was more than sex. Um but yeah, I think sometimes it felt like if you didn't have if you didn't have that to offer your spouse or or your partner, you know, you didn't have that special gift of virginity, yeah. You know, then you didn't have anything else, and if you ruined that or tainted it, then you're screwed. Yeah. And I don't think that's why I stayed a virgin. Honestly, I would say I stayed a virgin because, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty boring. You know, like I didn't oh, party a lot. Don't be so mean know? to yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just like, you know, I didn't party. I didn't do anything like crazy. So I just stayed a virgin. You know, because I'm pretty safe um but but yeah I think in the back of my head there was a little probably a little bit of like a little bit of struggle with with that like do I have more to offer someone than just you know my virginity and I think I I think in the end I definitely realized that I do have more
0: yeah
1: um but there's definitely probably
0: points of time when I struggled with it how old were you when you lost your virginity?
1: Uh, let's see. I got married. Dang, I don't know. Two years remember. ago? Yeah, so I was 20. In the summer? 27.
0: Jeez, Louise. <laughs> so you must really identify with that show, uh, Jane the Virgin. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've heard it was good. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm just being an asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um... On the other half, I think a lot of people will listen to this and be like, um, "I God, I don't know how long you waited. And so I guess my question still stands. Like, what was it that held you to this this Christian creed that was like, all women must remain virgins until they get married? Like, was it Mm -hmm. your faith in God? Was it um, shame? Was it Um, Hmm. that you were trying to hold together your relationship with John. Like, I don't know. Well, especially today, especially today, because everybody's having sex.
1: Right. And I would say it changed, um, from, from year to year or like phase of my life. I think, okay, let me start that over. I think it changed, Throughout my life, um, there are probably times when shame kept me a virgin, <laughs> or mm. um, you know, just upbringing. But I think when I met John, because again, like I didn't, I didn't really date a lot, so I didn't have, and it wasn't because. I was trying to be, like, good or anything. I just, for some reason, just didn't. Yeah,
0: you were a bit of a homebody. You were focused on school or music, so. Yeah, like,
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I know, was, I like, kept telling
0: friend. you. I kept telling you your vagina was going to close up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I just didn't date a lot. But when I met John, I think the thing that kept me... Uh, kept us from having sex before marriage was that we had some issues we had to work out and we knew that if we also had sex at that time we wouldn't have the capacity to work out those issues and man I cannot tell you how beneficial it was for us to work out our issues before we got married I think people like you know marriage or or just like deciding to be in a committed relationship or you know have a more long-term partner whatever it is um kind of covering some of those bases before you jump into the deep end is was really beneficial Hmm. for me at the time and I think that's I think that was the biggest thing, you know, trying to work through some of our our personal things and um stay focused on
0: that. So you guys had a romantic relationship. Like there was no part of it that was that lapsed into oh man this person is just my friend because we're not having sex. So-
1: no, no. Um but yeah, we I mean it's some of the stuff is like Stuff I can't, you know, I can't talk about just because it it's kinda protected by the you know, the covenant of our
0: Yeah, it's private personal. Relationship. That's
1: <laughs> right. But basically there was some stuff we really had to work on. And um yeah, that was the biggest thing I would
0: say. Do you believe that marriage is the best place for your sex life? <sighs> because I haven't experienced my sex life
1: outside of it, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I can't speak from that experience.
0: I guess my, my, my question is, is do you think that your marriage is stronger because you guys saved sex for a later time or you designated a special place for it?
1: I think definitely for us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for other people, you know, um, There might be, just the thing that I've learned over time is, like, everybody's story is different, Mm. you know? Um, And there might be, like, sometimes there's a general principle um, that everyone can sort of adhere to, but certainly the nuances of everyone's walk with God and self-discovery are so different, Mm. You know, but yeah, like I feel like marriage has definitely been um, a blessing for us. Well
0: would I feel you feel like we
1: fight a lot less?
0: You do? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah
1: just because like knowing you're committed to someone for sure, you know. Yeah. It's maybe that that extra little bit of. Yeah,
0: yeah. security does make for great sex.
1: Yeah.
0: Would you? Would you recommend this for anyone else?
1: Uh, saving yourself for marriage. Yeah, yeah, if you can.
0: What are some things that you think you got right because you saved yourself?
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll just go. Back. I'm laughing because, like, I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. What, like, will we really know until the end? Right? You I know, I know, but like. When we get to heaven, Jesus will be like, oh, you think you got all that right? Let me tell you. (laughs) Um,
0: I like how open-minded you are.
1: I'm just going to go back to that one thing. I think kind of sifting through our issues before we completely committed to one another Uh um, was super important for us. So that's what I think we got right for sure. We worked through some of, some things that people are are working on still in relationships. You know, people I have, people I'm friends with who have had relationships as long as ours. um, But they just didn't set aside a specific time to talk about that stuff. So, I mean, some stuff you can't talk about unless you really set aside intentional time for it, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, there's some stuff that won't come up naturally from day to day, or it will come up during the heat of a moment and nothing ever really gets solved. So, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. I'm not saying we're perfect, though, by the way. Yeah. I don't think we got it all figured out and all that jazz.
0: (laughs) Ellie, what are you, what's your, have you written about any of this in your music? Because I know you're a lot like me, where things that I'm processing in my life turn up in my music. And it's rarely about like, oh, I love this person, you know, like normal pop music. It's more like Mm -hmm. prayers and meditations and observations on the world and and, like relationships with family and friends and moving Mm -hmm. and stuff. And has any any of this stuff about church or even um, sex and relationships turned up in your music? Mm
1: -hmm. I would say not in any of – not in a lot of the stuff that you'd hear my first album the heart of the matter i think there's a few songs on there that still kind of speak to where i'm at right now but there's some other ones on there that i just i don't relate to at all i mean just because it's like a couple years old now and i'm changing and growing but yeah definitely some of the music that i'm writing right now i have like sort of a band side project that i'm working on called wishling we might change that name. So
0: that's such a cute name. <laughs> you like it? I do. Okay. Maybe I won't change it.
1: It's just because it sounds like wishing or like no. whistling.
0: No, whistling. No. No. like speaks to the fantasy lover in me. You know, yeah. or like the dreamer yeah,
1: like in me. A, yeah. Like a like a woods yeah. character, like a little Sprite. thing that, <laughs> little that fairy. Lives in the
0: woods. with like long pointy ears yeah exactly (laughs) okay good so what kind of music is wishling doing
1: so that side project we're tackling more social justice issues with
0: that Mm, like what um
1: the the music that i write and and perform under my um more faith-based name allison brooke i do more faith-based music um I would say most of that is more just, like, worship music. You know, probably some of the stuff that we talked about could show up there in more, like, vague terms, you know? But that's more geared towards, like, a worship experience um, or personal devotion, most of that music. But, yeah, definitely my side project. We've been writing music that's more social justice-driven you know, Beautiful. talking about issues.
0: The issues. What kind of issues? Like, name one issue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so one of the songs that we just came out with, um, Haunted House, is about struggling with addiction. Ooh. And, um, yeah, it's it's a tough subject because I feel like a lot of people talk about it, like, I was addicted to things and you shouldn't be, and then that's it. You know, it sort of, like, weaves leaves the real ugliness on the table, and so this song really talks about like the ugliness of it all, but also it, 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 there's still a hint of hope, you know, like mm. like it, you're not a bad person, like we're gonna sort of it doesn't tie it up in a neat little bow, but like sort of like we're gonna get through we're gonna get through the pain of, of addiction.:
0: I'm excited to hear this album. It sounds really cool. With yeah. messages like that, you know. Yeah. I guess I'm used to um, Christian music talking about addiction not as something that can be, that needs to be healed and cared for, but as something that's just like bad, evil and wrong <laughs> yeah. and something that like the Bible can cure or that um, you praying can cure. And it's like, no, that's you need so much, you need community, you need people, you need, you know, so much more than that, but... I'm excited to hear your album.
1: Yeah, we have an acoustic demo with um, for
0: that song. It's already up. Where can people listen to your Alison Brook music and Wishling?
1: Yes, so Alisonbrook.com. That's Mm A-L-I-S-O-N-B-R-O-O-K.com and WishlingMusic.com. W-I-S-H-L-I-N-G Music.com.
0: And are you on Twitter or Facebook?
1: Yeah, Facebook I'm more active on. So you can go to Facebook slash Allison Brooks Sings. Okay.
0: Um, And are you still performing? Where can people see you?
1: Definitely when I do tour, I put it up on my website. So that's the best place to check to see if I'm out and about.
0: Okay. It's that time of the show again where you listeners get to call in with questions about God, sex, and the Bible. If you have a question for Rev. Sex, call 267-388-0789 and leave us a message. And now, Rev. Sex. Kellyanne from California. Some of my friends believe that it is better to save themselves for marriage. I've been dating my boyfriend for three years now, and we are moving into the city because we both got jobs there. We are both starting out at entry level positions and it just makes sense to live together. What do you think God will think of this? I'm trying to explain to my friends why I'm not ashamed to do it. Any advice? Right? So she too, you know, wants something for her life and, but can't get over the tapes playing in the back of her head and also the, um, social expectancy of her friends
2: yeah i, I mean, mean
0: yeah is she a slut if i mean if she and is slut a bad anyway we can't go there
2: <laughs> i would love to go there i would love add that to the list future yeah, podcast i's, is slut a bad girl is bad is slut a bad thing what does it even mean uh-huh. yeah so back to the question so what is the question we're trying to answer based on kelly ann from california's question
0: she wants to move in with her boyfriend But she's got those um, sex-negative tapes playing in the back of her head from church and also her friends who are giving her just a bunch of grief about it.
2: Yeah. I mean, moving in is a big step. What if you hate how your partner brushes their teeth and you have to see it every single day? Okay. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, my questions about moving in are much more practical around, like, cohabitation. Around, like, whether or not she has sex with her boyfriend That's a whole other question that feels like a different level. Probably having sex.
0: Right. Probably. But I mean, living together. Living together is shacking up in the Christian world, right? Yes. Right. When I go to my mother's house for the longest time and I took like a girlfriend and we were spending the night. We were not
2: allowed to stay in the same, same bedroom. room. <laughs> yeah. It was like this is Because your another... mom knew that y'all were dating.
0: Yeah. Or just yeah. this was another culture of silence. You know, she probably thought, yeah, Crystal's having sex, but not in this house, you know? So the whole idea of... Or there's a, there. She has a, a social fear of people seeing this thing that she's doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's real. I've had those conversations with many, many, many people. And I mean... The question of what does God think is not really a question that we can answer? I don't think. Can you answer? It? what do you think God thinks?
0: I don't know purity culture is so problematic and I'm really excited to know that Obama is is banishing um, abstinence teaching in sex ed classes Mm. because it just doesn't get anywhere right i mean since we have been talking about condoms and that kind of stuff in sexual education classes um you know pregnancy rates have gone down stis have gone down um and so i think christians should take uh a book out of a page out of that book and i think that when it comes to sex God wants the most for us right
2: yeah I mean I think mostly what God wants is for us to treat ourselves and each other as images of the divine and sacred beings of invaluable worth so my questions around sex are more like why are you doing it what does it mean for you how connected are you with your own desire and where that's coming from if you're having sex with someone because you're scared that they're going to leave you if you don't that's not the same kind of um reason to have sex as it is to say i am really really into this person and every part of me is saying yes to this to this kind of encounter with this person and uh, this kind of engagement is one morally wrong i think that that's the that's the wrong question. I think that it's about, again, circling back always and forever to authenticity um, and intentionality. Are you, have you thought about it? Have you thought through what the implications are? I know that people, I can remember every single person that I've slept with and each one of them had a a particular and permanent impact on my life. Even I mean, that's not to say that they were terrible, right? It's to say that like, sharing my body with another person was a big deal. And even if it was just a hookup, I remember that. And that feels important to who I was or what I was after. And so being really clear with someone that I want to have sex with you in this particular way, because I'm really interested to see if I like voyeurism or public sex or being tied up or whatever the thing is, is like, an intentional way of communicating what you're available for, what you're interested in and where your desire is that builds really connected.
0: A discussion about kink, right? And I think
2: this No, it doesn't have to be.
0: Okay. I just think that this person is trying to figure out the social ramifications of living with her boyfriend.
2: I mean, that's real. People judge all kinds of things. So if if the question is what are the social ramifications, if you live in a hyper Christian environment in which you know, more conservative values around no sex before marriage, one man plus one woman, then like the repercussions are high. If you're asking for permission for you to do what feels right for your own life, then one, I'm not the person to be asking, but like, sure, you get my sign off. You should do that.
0: <laughs> That's cause you live a very renegadeish lifestyle. I do. So This person is more interested in the social problems that come with it, I think, than the biblical side of it, right?
2: Get new friends. (laughs) Get new friends.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's really good.
2: I mean, yes, I do think that I'm saying that in jest, but also for real. Like, there's something about being around other people who are living in ways that you're trying to live into and if what you're desiring is to live into what God wants for your life then there is a matter of like self discernment that is really important and if your friends cannot get over their own stuff around needing to judge and ostracize or like guilt trip you if they aren't I know that I have enough of my own shit to work on that I don't need to be like dipping into anybody else's lives to judge how they have sex and who they live with. And if Mm -hmm. your friends are not like that, that they have all that extra space and time, then I would bet that they're not doing nearly enough of their own self-work and discernment around what their life is supposed to be. So I say ingest, get new friends, but I kind of actually mean get new friends.
0: Yeah, you're also moving to the city and I'm not sure how far that is away from whatever town you're living in, but I think that you'll realize that there are many more opportunities to create friendships with people whose values or or ethics or morals, whatever you want to call them, align more clearly with yours, you know?
2: Yeah, I also think there's something around, like, when do we get to define for other people what being a good person is? There's, like, there's a little bit of reliance there on, like, I need to look to other people to give me... uh to remind me that I'm a good person. And I would also in that regard, encourage you to be like, actually let's spend time thinking about like, what makes me a good person and live fully into that. And when you live as fully as you can into that, doing the best you can every day, then fuck anybody else who is like, I'm not sure if you're a good person or not. Cause as someone who is queer, non-monogamous, Brown woman working in social justice circles, curses like a sailor. Like mm-hmm. I, there's just that, if I relied on outside people to discern for me what I was or was not doing to be a good person, I am a hundred percent clear that I would live an inauthentic life. I agree. I
0: agree. You're moving on. Forget about them. (laughs) It's the best advice we can give you because obviously it makes sense for you in your life to live with your boyfriend, obviously for financial reasons. If not, you know, just because you want uh, to have a close friend Or a romantic partner when you're making this big change in your life. Um, Yeah, if it makes sense for you, you need to follow through with that.
2: Yeah, be intentional. Be careful. Be very careful. Fuck those guys. (laughs) And check out how your partner brushes his teeth. (laughs)
0: As promised, I just want to sneak in a bit of Allison Brooks' music into the mix. Her debut album is called Heart of the Matter, and it's available on iTunes and her website, amongst other places. This one is called The Sparrow Song.
1: The Sparrow song is just about feeling small and insignificant in the vastness of humanity and how sometimes you can feel lost um, and sometimes even feel like maybe God doesn't care about you. And the song just talks about how God sees even the smallest, most insignificant of us. People who feel the most lost and the most marginalized or unimportant or what have you. God sees you, cares about you, loves you, and values you.
0: So, you can listen to the full version of that on AllisonBrook.com. You can also watch the music video, which I strongly advise. Um, how beautiful! Uh, this next song is called Stars.
1: The Stars. time watching the news sometimes because I'm really sensitive <laughs> I cry a lot and I think I wrote that song after I, I saw something really terrible on the news that just broke my heart and it felt like I don't know if you've ever felt this way but I've, sometimes you like the world's just getting worse and worse mm. um but there's this saying that says all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle And so this song is just about hope and being that single candle in the darkness and lighting up even the darkest shadows in the world.
0: And that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, bye!